Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, we've been looking at um, the passage, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. Um, Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not con- conquer it. In other words, he's going to build it in such a way that it is stronger than all that hell is going to try to throw against it. And as we've been talking about for the past several weeks, uh, you can expect all of hell to come against you. Uh, sometimes Christians are surprised, sometimes just, not, not even Christians, just people are surprised when difficulty enters their life, uh, when, 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 when problems arise in their life. We almost have a certain perception that if, we, that if we could just do things right, that if we could just do everything right, that our life would be easy. And it is true that to some extent, um, when you make good choices, good decisions, you know, your life is a bit easier. I know some people make their lives way more difficult than they need to be. Um, because they, they just create drama everywhere they go. And so this is not a time to look around or, you know, poke your, your spouse or anything. This is just time to look straight ahead. Um, but, 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 but it is true that really even if you're the best person in the world, even Mother Teresa is going to experience some difficulties. Even Jesus, when he walked this earth, experienced difficulty. And, 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 and part of that is because that is God's way of building you and me. That's God's way of building us and making us strong. And I know as Americans, most of us aren't really that interested in being strong. Uh, You know, we would rather be fast. We would rather be smart. We would rather um, have lasers that shoot out of our eyes. You know, there's a lot of uh, qualities we would rather have than strength. And so many times our prayers kind of reflect that, right? We just say, Lord, just, 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 just spare me from this difficulty. Just deliver me from this difficulty. Lord, give me some superpower to defeat this difficulty. And really what we're asking is for God to help us get out of difficulty. Um, But my purpose for this sermon series is that we would start to see difficulty differently. That we would start to see the role of difficulty in our life. God's um, mandated role for difficulty in your life and in my life. That as I'm living life, as I'm going through difficulty, that God has a purpose for it. That God has a way of using the difficult situations in my life to help build me and prepare me, really, for where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do. Uh, Many of us are are spinning our wheels spiritually. We never really uh, get to a place of breakthrough, which has kind of been our word for the year, because we never grow to it. We never grow in our strength to it. Our faith never reaches a level that we are able to break through the ceiling that's been holding us down. Instead, we look for shortcuts, right? We look for ladders. We look for uh, 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 Super Mario, super jumping power, you know, to, <laughs> it's a Luigi, and just jump up there and bust it, right? At some point, God's just going to give me some, some spring action, like the, the, what was that, the, the, the tail? Was it the fox tail or the squirrel tail that he'd get in Mario, Super Mario Brothers 3? 
Some of you millennials don't know nothing about this, but this is this is this this is awesome. This is awesome. And he would he would bounce, you know, like do this little spin thing and fly, and he could hit things. And uh, you know, I mean, like sometimes I think that's what our prayers are like. God, just I need to achieve breakthrough, so I need to have this big spiritual, super powerful moment where the pastor lays his hand on my forehead, spits in my face, and then woo, everything is different. But 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 like seriously, you don't want me to spit in your face because that doesn't help you. And my hands aren't any more special than anybody else's hands. There's nothing. There's only there's nothing specifically unique to 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 the pastor uh, laying his hands on you. What you need oftentimes is not a moment of breakthrough. You need a process where you achieve breakthrough through the process. Because even if you get a moment of breakthrough. And yet you haven't grown to that level. You're going to be like Super Mario. And as soon as you break through the ceiling, you're going to go right back down. Like you need to grow to the level that you break through and then are able to live in that level of breakthrough. And that's why God wants to strengthen us. Because all of hell is trying to keep us down. All of hell is trying to keep us back and hold us back from what God has called us, from our potential. And, and yet God is trying to strengthen us so that we can bust through those barriers and get over some of the things that have been over us <laughs> and, and, and enable us to walk in liberty and in freedom and not keep fighting the same giants over and over and over and over and over again, but to, but to deal with it once and for all, to be done with particular habits and partic- particular addictions and particular problems, to conquer it and to move on. My, my next sermon series is going to be called Move On. That's what it's going to be called, Move <laughs> And I'm not talking about like you like moving on to another church. I'm just, I mean... <laughs> if the shoe fits, but I'm just saying, like, some, like sometimes we, we need to move on from certain situations that we've been living, cycles that we've been in for years. And so the way God gets us to that place is through a process. And here at City Chapel, we love process. We are process people. And if you are a mess, this is a perfect place for you because we, we, we love processes. And every mess is really just somebody, a person in process. Uh, and so, and so, you need somebody to walk alongside you and help you through this process. But part of the process is found in Romans chapter eight. Uh, we see uh, Paul, uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" Um, now, this is the goal of the enemy, right? Who? This is the goal of the who. The who is the enemy trying to separate us from the love of Christ. He can't stop Christ from loving us, but he can cut us off from the love of Christ. And these are the tools that he uses to do this. Number one, he says, shall tribulation? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Tribulation means pressure. Anybody ever had any pressure in their life? Pressure or pressing down or distress. Distress we talked about last week. That's an inner anxiety. So, so, yes, Christians can experience anxiety. In, in fact, Christians are going to experience anxiety. Paul is, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, telling us what is coming. What is coming at us? Tribulation is coming. Distress is coming. And now today I'd like to talk about persecution. So I told you to listen to Caleb all week so that you'd be ready and cheerful, and you could smile a little bit, and then I hit you with the bad news, and then you go back for the rest of the week, listen to Caleb, get happy again, okay? So we're going to talk about how persecution is coming. 
or famine, he says, that's, a, that's an incredible lack of food, or nakedness, that's lack of clothing, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, not outside of these, all, not outside of these things, or escaping from these things, or sal- saved, or salvation out of these things, but in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, that term, more than conqueror, it means, yes, to conquer. In other words, to defeat and disarm your enemy. But it also is more than conquer. In other words, you don't just defeat your enemy. You also enslave your enemy. So God doesn't just defeat our enemy. God uses our enemy to do his will. That might have to sink in for just a minute. The Bible actually calls Satan God's servant because he's been defeated. And so he's been captured by God. But now, currently, he is God's slave. God is using what the enemy is trying to... uh, he's, He's working... The enemy's trying to work on you. And yet God's working in you so that all of it will work for you. The enemy's working on you, but God's working in you, and all of it will work for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? God uses tribulation. God doesn't save you from tribulation. In the middle of tribulation, God enslaves tribulation to work for us because it does something in us. In distress and anxiety, God allows anxiety. God allows distressing thoughts and distressing emotions and even distressing situations that he doesn't always save us from, but he uses it in order to do something in us so so that ultimately it will work for us. And now today I want to talk about persecution. God uses persecution. And, and, I, and I've always, to be honest, I've, I've been slow to talk about persecution um, because we are in America. <laughs> and um, historically, the word persecution has meant some pretty serious things. And even globally in 2017, the word persecution still means beheading. If you're an Egyptian Christian that's been caught by ISIS, uh, it means crucifixion in some cases. It means torture. It means uh, decades in a, in, a, in, a, in a hot prison in Vietnam because you're snu- snuggling in Bibles. Smuggling? Snuggling in Bibles? You're snuggling Bibles? There's that too. Um, <laughs> but no, it means, it means, it means interrogation. If you're, if you're meeting in a secret house church in China and you're not allowed to do that. So even today, even though we are insulated here in America, we're, I mean, we're able to put ads on Google, you know, um, and uh, let everybody know, hey, we're, we're a church, and we're, we're, we love Jesus, and I mean, they're, they're, they're letting us deliver food to folks, you know. So it's, so it's obviously a little bit different, but you do need to understand that true persecution is any kind of attack by, by people, by humans, on other humans for the sake of Christ. That's what persecution is. Persecution is when you are... Uh, 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 imprisoned for the cause of Christ, not <laughs> for doing stuff that's wrong. Um, <laughs> persecution means to be chased. It means to be r- something is running after you. And so, and 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 so here in America, like it is, it it is kind of tricky because none of us, I don't think, have ever been imprisoned for our faith. I've never uh, been held at gunpoint for my faith. I've, I've I've never suffered in that way for my faith. Or for doing what I'm called to do. 
Um, but there's an interesting scripture uh, found in, I think it's 2 Timothy. Um, uh, go to chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Um, the Bible says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so when I read scripture, and I read scriptures like that, I have to understand that persecution is more than just being imprisoned for your faith, because I don't, I've never been imprisoned for my faith. I've never, uh, the government has never cracked down on me for my faith. So obviously persecution is definitely those things, but it must be something more if everyone that's you and me, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Everyone will be persecuted. So persecution must be more than simply a physical affliction. Sometimes, I think here in America, the kind of persecution that you and I might encounter is more of an emotional attack, is more of a a verbal attack. Uh, and I don't even mean from, you know, the media or from uh, Facebook. I mean, I mean from people, like from actual people that get mad at you for doing what God's called you to do. Have you ever done something good and then, and then <laughs> have you ever tried to help somebody and then, and then they, they, they attack you for, for helping them? Okay, so here's the deal. You might want to try helping people every once in a while. I'm just suggesting. Because <laughs> you're all like, really? That's never happened to me. Yeah, get off your couch. Try it. Try it. Try helping people. Try being generous. Try reaching out to people. Try, try selflessly getting up early in the morning, staying late at night with them, hearing their, their sob story. Try being a shoulder for others to cry. You just try helping anybody. And, and at some point, the person who you're trying to help is so hurt that they're going to lash out and hurt you or try to. They're going to, they're going to persecute. And I, I think this is one of the ways that we do suffer persecution. And, and even, even as I'm talking about that, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of slow to talk about that because honestly, the word persecution means something's chasing you, which means you are running away from the persecution. And yet most of the people I know, like if there's trouble, this is the direction that they are running toward the trouble. You know what I mean? I mean, most people get nasty comments on Facebook, usually because they put out nasty comments on Facebook. You know what I mean? So, 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 so I do kind of have to do a disqualifier. Like, if you're just a mean person, this sermon doesn't apply to you. <laughs> you know? If you, like, go around trolling people and, like, you know, if, if you're just mean and grumpy and grouchy and you're, like, this, seriously, like, this is, that's not persecution. You're not suffering for Jesus. It's, you're, you're not, like, that's not what it is. You're just a mean person reaping what you've been sowing. So, so I do have to, I, I just, I just feel like I need to do a little, a little disqualify here because I don't want to just preach about persecution. That's me. That's me. And I'm like, no, just stop being mean. Just stop it. Just be nice. You know, he who has friends must show himself friendly and all that stuff. Like, you know, just, just, what, just what I tell my kids, you know. If you hit them, they will hit you. Just stop it. So, you know, so, like, so, but, 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 for, but for those of us who are trying to live a godly life, for those of us that are trying to reach out to people and help people and bless people, you will suffer persecution. People will come on the offensive. And I don't know if it's just 2017, but people are very easily offended. 
So they go on the offensive very quickly. They kind of live on the offensive. You know, they're just, they're just looking for something. Um, <laughs> and so I did want to share something with you. I don't, I, don't, I don't usually share this stuff with you guys, but I just, I, I personally felt like it was, it was something that really applied to this week's sermon. Sometimes when you're trying to help people, like, like when you're a pastor, um, you get some, some kind of angry um, text messages. And so this week, I got a series of angry text messages from an individual. doesn't go to this church, so don't worry. It's not any of you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yet. But uh, <laughs> this week, I'm going to know. But, uh, it, but you know, uh, like, like it was, it, uh, apparently this person just felt like, um, like I wasn't doing my job. And, I don't know, other people in the church just weren't really being who the church was. And, and, and so I, you know, I... I read the text message, and, um, and, and, and honestly, I, I wasn't angry. My heart rate didn't go up. I just felt, I felt bad for the person that they feel this way. This is, this is not, it's not healthy for them. It's not good. And then, but it was kind of funny because at the end, at, at the end of, of the little you know, accusations, at the end of it, it said, it said uh, uh, world's okay as church, huh? Question mark. And it said, whatever, exclamation point, large case. And I just, I thought that was funny because, like, it's, it's self-deprecating humor. It's supposed to be self-deprecating. Like, I'm not aspiring to mediocrity. <laughs> Who you think you're all okay and everything? Well, I'll tell you. Well, you are so not. You are just not even okay, dude. And, and so I just, you know, because obviously this person doesn't understand my humor. So I thought that was funny because I'm like... Yeah, that's not what it's supposed to be. So anyway, so, so I've made a new slide um, for us, just as a, a, a brand new uh, sort of slogan for us. We are the world's okayest church, or whatever. <laughs> we might be a little less than that, all right? Just deal with it and quit being so picky. <laughs> um, yeah. I just own it, you know? That's the thing with self-deprecating humor. So we're going to go lower, are we? All right, we're going lower. We're just going lower. We just, we just, we want to take that off. Austin's okay as church. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe that'll work, you know? The world is kind of a big goal, I guess. <laughs> Some great churches in the world. Um, anyway, you will suffer. Persecution. You will. And, and some people are just not going to understand what you're trying to do. And yet, and yet the beauty of this is that, that, that the enemy comes at us and sometimes he sends trolls to chase us and he sends people, you know, to text us and, and folks to, you know, unfriend us on Facebook and, you know, and, and, and unlike things and block you and blah, blah, blah. And he sends like, like stuff like that. But what's, what's beautiful about those moments, you can't waste those moments. You, you shouldn't waste those moments. What's beautiful about those moments is that while, while the enemy is trying to rile you up and get you on the offensive, right, defending yourself, no, no, wait, we are definitely okay. We are certainly, we are so okay. We are, like, I mean, seriously, have you been to all the churches in the world? Do you know how okay we are? You know, instead of trying to defend yourself, and but that's what the enemy's trying to do. Why? Why? Because, because, because he's, he, he thinks that you are like him. See, if God's going to make us tougher than hell, then the very things that hell falls for, you and I are not going to fall for. Because if Satan 
were to be accused, if Satan were to be uh, 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 bad-mouthed and, and, and gossiped about, if in his shoes, he would be so angry, he would be so tore up inside, he would, he would, have, to, he would have to lash out, there would be this difficulty. And so he, so he thinks we are like him. But what's beautiful about those moments is that while Satan is really trying to uh, uh, crush us, God is trying to test us. Is that persecution works as almost like a, a, a thermometer that you stick in your mouth and you get to see what your temperature is. You have no idea what your temperature is unless you are a mother. That's somehow mom's the back of their hand. Yeah, it's about 103. I don't, I don't get it. But if, you are, if you're a male in the room, we have no idea what our kids' temperatures are until we stick a thermometer in their mouth and a little thingy goes up and a little readout comes out. Okay, it's 103.7, honey. You were off, babe. Um, you know, I mean, like this, this is how we check things. Well, the way God allows us to see our heart, because God already knows what's in our heart. God already knows what's going on, but he allows persecution to come so that we can get a reading on our own heart. So really, uh, this sermon does apply to you, I guess, if you are running into trouble, because I can ask you the same question. How do you react toward persecution? How do you react toward accusations? How do you react toward complaints? How do you react toward uh, shade? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if that works in a sentence, but shade thrown maybe when somebody throws it at you. When shade hits you like that, how do you, how do you react? Is a testing of your heart. And that's the beautiful thing about persecution is it, is it purifies your motive. Because if you were doing it, if you were doing, if you were helping people so that they would be thankful and they're not thankful, then you didn't get what you wanted out of it and now you're going to be hurt. If you, were, if you were preaching so that people would be complimentary of you, and then suddenly they are critical of you, then you didn't get what you wanted, so you're going to be hurt. If you were pastoring people, and I'm just preaching to myself right now, so that, so, 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 so that they would think you were awesome, and then suddenly they don't think you're awesome, that's going to hurt. And so, and so it purifies your motives. If, if the praises of people can lift you up, then the persecutions of people can drag you down. And so it checks your motive, because often if people are always telling you how great you are, you're like, no, 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 really, no, really, it's all Jesus, no, it's all God, it's all, no, seriously, no, no, really, it's all God, it's not me at all. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't even get to see your motive, because you're so busy, you know, deflecting compliments and stuff. But as soon as somebody levies an accusation against you and hurls some slander against you, now, yeah. is it all Jesus that did that? So Jesus is, is less than okay. Is that, is, that, is that what you're telling me? No, suddenly you can't just throw it off on Jesus. You can't just get all religious and spiritual. Now your true heart can come out. And this is, and, and this is what I try to explain to people. I try to explain to people because, because I've, I've had people, uh, you, know, they just, they, you know, they just know what I'm thinking. Um, they're so perceptive. They just know exactly what's going on, on in my head. And they come to all these conclusions. And they'll say things like, wow, here, you have so much self-control. You're, you're so good at keeping your mouth shut, not lashing out, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that's because they think there's something going on in here <laughs> or up here. But there's not. <laughs> My wife understands this. People are like, he's deep in thought, isn't he? She's like, no. It's nothing. Just not. He's just, he's just quiet. He's not deep in thought. He's just quiet. He's not thinking about anything. You know, you know what I mean? But in the same way, in the same way spiritually, I'm not, I'm not tore up inside. 
I'm not having to put a cork on my mouth because, oh, I just want to, because nothing's coming up. Look, look, for example, uh, I, think, I think it was Stephen Covey that, 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 that talked about this. Like, like we, are, we are vessels. You know, we are vessels, and we have something inside of us. It's called, the Bible calls it our heart. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we are vessels, and we have something inside of us. And we go through life, and life shakes us up. You know, life... life hits us. People accuse us. People persecute us. People come at us. And oftentimes they're not even, I've never, I've actually never been bad-mouthed by, a, by an atheist. It's usually people who call themselves Christians if you, if you go to the church. And I, I think I'd actually like to do a sermon series on, on mean churches, you know. I just, just want to do a sermon series on that because it's just, I, I meet so many people who have been so treated so awfully by people who claim to have the love of Christ inside of them. I'm like, what? They, how, that doesn't even make sense to me. But this, this is what happens. You get persecuted. Sometimes, if you're in the church, you're going to get persecuted by the church. If you're in a bar, you're going to get per- persecuted in the bar. If, I mean, whatever your environment is, this is what life's going to do. Life's going to shake you and grab you and pull you up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But, but here's, here's the thing about a water bottle. I shake it, I shake it, I shake it, I shake it. And then, and then babe, would you like to open the water bottle? You opened it. Okay, lovely. See, see, beautiful. See, I mean, everything's good. Thirty, I mean, thirty seconds after the shaking, you wouldn't even know this. This is shaking. It's just, it's just water. So persecution tests what's inside of you, and so, and and so when I get angry texts, it's it's like this, and I'm I'm reading, and I'm going, man, this person's really hurting, and I'm not. This is me. I'm just. I'm not angry. I'm not. Oh, I'll show them. I'll block them. I'm gonna get, you know, I'll block you on the phone. You know, I mean, that's that's not that's not what's happening. Now, several others of us are more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we wake up a little tense. <laughs> This is just, just, it's just, just from the shipping. I mean, just sleeping or whatever. And, 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 then, and, and then, you know, the alarm goes off late or whatever, or the, or the, or the, or the kids wake us up by jumping on us. We've, we've, we, 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 we've outlawed that early in our, in our marriage because that's just not cool. Because um, they're unaware of body parts and things and uh, their little knees, man. It's, not, it's like, come on, man, I'm sleeping. So, you know, it's like kids jump on you in the morning when you first wake up and you get a little bit... You get to work and your boss is, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to come in on Saturday. And uh, it pulls you just a little bit more. And then, and then, and then it's not very long that something else comes across the way and somebody, some, some, somebody disses you on Facebook. And, and then, you know, and then, and, then, and, then, and then your pastor doesn't call you that day. God forbid, shake that one up. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it's just all of this stuff. It's just, it's, and, and suddenly you are so tense. Babe, here, here, how about? <laughs> the pastor's wife, honey, come on. Take one for the team. <laughs> nope, no, nobody wants to open this. But this is what your family's opening every evening. Well, I just, I just, I don't even, I <laughs> Do you want to know why you get such a big reaction from little things? Because you just turn this just a little bit. Let's just see. Let's just check it out. What kind of reaction are we talking here? Uh, yeah? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. Dinner was five minutes late. I'm sorry. It's the smallest little turns. Smallest little disses. The smallest little disrespect. The smallest... They forgot something. And, and it's like... And it's like, man, I, I'm, I'm so tight inside. I'm so tense inside. I blow up. I mean, you, you open this thing and it's going to be all over. I, I'm not going to do that to Williams Elementary because we, we want to keep loving on people. Um, but, but like the, the power that is bottled up in the, This is why people get ulcers. This is why people have physical problems. Because they've been sticking a cork up here. they got a top on their lips. Sometimes. And, and then other times, it's, it's eating them up. I mean, it's like the pressure. I mean, no wonder. That's why they're so offendable all the time. Because they're like this. And you, all you did is you just, you just you twisted that cap just a little bit. And you got a whole earful that you weren't even planning on you weren't even expect i was just on my family fun day when i got those text messages i didn't even message anybody it's just like just it just comes from from the shaking from the from the anxiety that's inside of us this is why persecution is so beautiful because it allows us to see whether we are soda or whether we are water because Jesus was persecuted. The Bible says he was persecuted by the Pharisees. That, that, that word persecution is, is used in relation to Jesus. Before he was crucified, he was persecuted. In other words, he was chased. They were chasing him. They were trying to arrest him, and he knew it. And so he was, he was on the run, and yet he was not like this. He was like this. And persecution came, and his disciples saw somebody who was still loving because this also, it clarifies, it clarifies your calling. Persecution clarifies your calling. When you, when, 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 when uh, stories of folks who've been literally persecuted, like, you know, brought before judges and brought before kings. Uh, we've been, we've been talking to, to the kids about Valentinus. Was it Valentinus? Saint, Saint Valentine, uh, who was martyred on the 14th of February. And that's why we celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, he, he, uh, he, was, he was living during the time, about 250 A.D., uh, during the time of Claudius the Cruel, uh, Roman emperor who outlawed marriage. And so Valentinus, Tinius, Tinus, Tinus, there you go. He wasn't tiny, he was Tinus. Uh, Valentinus decided to still marry people because, you know what? Rome didn't invent marriage and Rome can't cancel marriage. And Austin didn't invent marriage and Austin can't re- Define marriage. Anyway, and so, and so Valentinus decided that marriage is a God thing. I'm going to keep marrying people. And uh, so, of course, he got caught, uh, brought before uh, Claudius the Cruel. Claudius the Cruel said, why, why are you doing this? And I think his, his exact words were, why won't you live in peace? Because Claudius was thinking, man, if that was me, I'd be like this right now. He didn't know Valentinus he didn't know what was on the inside. He said, why won't you live in peace? No, he was living in peace. He said, why won't you live in peace? And, 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 and he said, why don't you keep my commands? And, and so Valentinus got a chance to share the gospel with him about Jesus. And Claudius the Cruel said, that makes a lot of sense. I think we, ought to, we, we all ought to 
believe in this Jesus. And there was this dude uh, that was there, one of, one of, one of Claudius' uh, 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 commanders of the army. And he said, sir, you're, you're being led away by this, by, this, by this traitor, by this criminal. And suddenly Claudius was afraid of what everybody thought of him. And so he had Valentinus uh, locked up and then executed. And while Valentinus was locked up, that same guy, was his name Maxa something or other? Marcus? Uh, she's been reading the story to the kids a lot. I've just been listening slightly. Um, and uh, Marcus, he had a daughter uh, who, who wasn't able to speak, was it? She was blind from birth. And so, babe, hey, how about you just come up here? Just come on up. Just going to tell the story. The daughter was blind from birth. And so he asked Valentinus to pray for his daughter from, from prison. Valentinus prayed for his daughter. The next day, his daughter could see. And, and Marcus believed in Christ. The guy who was responsible for his execution believed in Christ. And Valentinus was happy. Because when you're in the middle of persecution, it, it helps clarify your calling. Am I called to be popular or am I called to love people? And love equals sacrifice. You can't love without sacrifice. The old, uh, the old Christians had a saying... Um, and uh, it's NC, NC. So I have a slide for you there. NC, NC. If you want to write this down, NC, NC. And it stands for uh, no cross, no crown. <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus led an example that we might follow in his steps. And we love that right up until Calvary. And then we're like, yeah, that's cool. That's, how about you just do that, Jesus? Rock it out up there on the cross. But no, there's a cross for all of us. There's sacrifice for all of us. And, what, and, and what, it, what it does is it checks your heart. It checks whether or not whether or not you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, whether you're still full of Coca-Cola. And um, 1, John, 1, John chapter, uh, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, tells us how we can change out what's inside of us. 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Because that's what's got to happen. You're here today, and you're like, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am the Coca-Cola bottle. Well, well, what you have to do is you have to get rid of the Coca-Cola. You have to get rid of the soda. You have to get rid of what's inside. The shell is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with the shaking. The shaking's fine. You don't have to escape everybody that's going to, that's gonna, you know, uh, diss you and disrespect you. You don't, you don't have to block everybody. You don't have to, you don't have to block your ears when people start talking. No, no, the, 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 the persecution's fine. The shell's fine. It's what's on the inside that's the problem. It's this explosive stuff called carbonation in this deal, but it's carnality inside of us. Carnality is the biblical term for selfishness, for pride, for me first. That's, that's, that's what's getting shaken up, and that's what's wanting to lash out at people. And so you have to get rid of that. You have to, you have to remove that. You say, well, how in the world do I remove that? I and mean, that's been in me since I was born, right here. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, if we love one another, 
then God lives in us. God lives in us. This is why it's impossible to change out the inside without community. It's impossible for you to go off on your, on your own, hide away into a convent somewhere, close the doors, and say, I am going to, I am, God's going to live in me by myself. That's not how it works. It, the Bible says, if we love one another, that in the loving of one another, that in the connection, in the fellowship of one another, that in the sacrificial love of another person, that is the door through which God comes into us. That's why you can't do it on your own. This is, why, this is why Jesus said, I will build my church. Not my individuals. I will build my church. This is, I, I, th I, think, I think technically that's the first time that word church was ever used in the Bible. Up until that point. Nowadays we know oh, church. Yeah, we know what that is. But, but Jesus was creating something brand new. He was speaking something brand new. And the disciples probably were like, well, we build this what? What's he going to build? Church? No, you mean like restore the, the Israeli government, right? Because that's what they thought was going to happen. But Jesus says, no, I will build my church. He's establishing a new order. Church is a congregation. It's a group. It's a gathering. I'm going to build my group. He never said, I'll build my individuals. And they'll run off and, and uh, you know, they'll, 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 they'll have church by themselves. And they'll just, they'll just read their Bible. No, my, my church, I will build my group. He builds groups together. Because you, when you are this, like when you are this tight, you can't even, you can't even get this out. You need somebody else to come alongside you and slowly, <laughs> carefully, lovingly, gently, safely allow you to release. Because you, you, you can't do it on your own. And I don't mean somebody who's got who gets something out of you. I mean somebody who loves you, who's there for you, who believes in you, who supports you. And that's what, that's what we're launching today. We're launching 15, 14 small groups of little bits of churches that will help you take this stuff out. And I'm not saying it's all going to disappear in three months, but, but man, if you could just get that top off, you know how much, if you could just get this cap and remove that, you know how much better you'll feel, how much more at peace you'll be. So many testimonies of people who have been just bottled up inside, just dealing with lies of the enemy, and they get around people who love them. They let the walls down feel so much better and that's what I want for you today and so we have a, a little three-minute video of one of those testimonies uh, Jason was brave enough to share his story and I'd like for you just to check this out and um, while while we are watching the video uh, I want you to whip out those big papers this is our altar call today it's the big 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 papers that you got a little menu uh, it's like you're at a buffet or something um, whip out whip out your menu today's special is small groups we're serving small groups. After service, we got uh, all sorts of tables out there. 
And actually, if you're a small group leader, um, would you just uh, get up and go ahead and go to your station right now and just get ready? They're going to be at those tables. But all of those groups on that paper, um, all of those leaders are here today. Um, I'm one of them. And uh, yeah, and uh, they're all going to be outside there to answer your questions and um, uh, uh, to, to help you get signed up. Um, but while we watch this video, I just want you to be aware of that so that you can check that out and look that over for just a minute um, while you listen and watch uh, Jason's story. Go ahead. In 2012, I moved from Chicago to Texas. Um, I was in a bad place in my life. I decided to reach out to my brother. He told me, the, you, if you're going to stay, the rules are no drinking, no smoking, and you have to attend church every Sunday. And so I, I surrendered my life and I accepted uh, the Lord into my life. And I tapped in and I started going to Bible studies. I started, uh, I got on the praise and worship team. I worked the media. I just wanted to be everywhere. I was hungry. I, I just wanted to plug in anywhere I could. My daughter and her mother decided to move to Texas. Uh, and um, it was the greatest the greatest news I could have. We got our first apartment ever. Um, we decided to get married in July, and it just—it was just fantastic. The church family was just—it was growing, and everybody supported us, and it was just—I was in the best um, time in my life, I believe. But then, uh, about a year and a half after that, it just—it got bad. Uh, whispers got around in the church. Um, Things started to get spread, rumors started to get spread about our pastors and, you know, uh, the brothers that I looked up to, these people that were mentoring me and discipling me were talking about each other and it was, it was just bad. I, I, I believe it was a decline in my faith and in my life where it was just my wife and I and I gave up on God. I was just angry. I was mad. Uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want people to get close to me anymore. I didn't want to get close to anyone. Uh, we were bouncing around from church to church. I didn't want to tap in. I just wanted to go and get it over with. We heard a preaching from Pastor Harry. That was just something to stir up. My wife said we should attend this church, and I kind of, you know, another church. Actually, the, the church's birthday was our first service. So, we, you know, I was still reserved and, and kind of not wanting to talk to anybody. And it was, you know, as soon as we were dismissed, I was right out the door, probably the first one, if not. And I was trying to be cautious and, and protect my heart, you know, and I still wanted to be isolated. So a couple months in, um, they were pitching small groups, small groups, and it, my attitude was, why should there be small groups? You know, like, we should naturally want to get together. So I'm still believing these lies, and, and I'm still trying to convince myself, you know, nobody cares about us or the environment, the, the people, you know, these people are better than us. They don't want to, you know. So um, the Four Cups of Praise, I believe, changed my life. There was a small group that we attended that it really spoke to me, not only the, the, the word, uh, the teachings, but just the, the table conversations, just the, uh, the, the openness of everybody, sharing what God has done in their lives, sharing what, what things they've gone through. And that, I believe, started breaking down this wall, started kind of chiseling at the core. So if, you're, if you've been thinking about it, if you've been, you know, wondering if there's more for you, I, I would suggest, you know, a small group, 
just go where you feel is led that that small voice in your heart that that you know you should check this out it's probably god telling you to tap in somewhere